Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, thank you for joining the Once Bitten podcast and joining me today is Modern T Man. I don't know if you've been following the kind of series we've put together, I suppose. This is the fourth time back. Uh, but if you go back and listen to parts one and two in particular, where he exposes what's going on in what he calls the MPAC, the Medical Pharmaceutical Agricultural Complex, uh, it's pretty amazing stuff. We should all be looking a lot closer at what's going on with our food. And this is his mission. This is his contribution to the Bitcoin space. And it's the Texas Beef Initiative. But he wants it to be a global beef, beef initiative and get everybody thinking more about uh, you know, getting back to basics with our nutrition and our animal protein. So enjoy this episode. Thank you so much as always for listening. Have a great end of the year and here's to 2022. Please make sure you check out the show sponsors. All these companies have links in the show notes, which are going to take you through to a landing page, which is going to save you some cash or help you start stacking. In the case of Swan Bitcoin, for example, hit that link. You'll get a free 10 bucks to start stacking away when you open an account. With Relay, you're going to save on fees like 0%. Depends what uh, kind of promos these guys are running at the time that you hit these links so make sure you check uh, coin corner you can set up auto buys and they have great cash back sats back opportunities with lots of different um, vendors so this is definitely something you need to check out if you're across the uk and europe and a bitcoin reserve they've got a couple of offerings flash and their concierge service the concierge is white glove they're going to teach you all about how to take ownership of your bitcoin and provide you liquidity from 50,000 euros or pounds upwards. This is the real deal, guys. So make sure you're checking these guys out. Take care of your coins. Get them on the Bitbox 02. Hit that link in the show notes from Shift Crypto. That'll save 5%. And if you want to get across to the party town of Miami, April 6th to 9th, 2022, for the big one, the Bitcoin conference, you will save 10% on all of your tickets from general admission up to Whale Pass by hitting that link in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. Here's Modern Tea Man. All right, we're back with Modern Tea Man. We're back with Uncle Slim. Uncle Slim. Hello, how are we? Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas to you. Too. Are you guys having fun? Yep. We are. How's, we are. how's the weather? How's the weather? It's Hmm. This last week has been blue skies and cold. It's been beautiful. It's been a real winterland wonderland. It hasn't been raining all day. No. Normally it's been like normally we have like rain, two hours of sunlight, and then. Yeah. the The front end of December was pretty rainy, but like this last week has been clear blue skies, frost in the morning, so you get that wintry effect. Uh, it's uh -huh. uh, yeah, it's pretty special. It's, it's beautiful. 
Well, it's been uh, horribly warm here in Texas. Really? I know Texas is warm, but where I come from, we actually do have winters, and it's going to be 71 degrees on Christmas and, and sunny and windy. So that is the desert high plains for you. <laughs> I can't it's even do 71 degrees in my mind. I, I don't even know what that equates to. And we're, we're on the opposite ends of the scale. We're, know we're, we're a Celsius bunch over here. I know, and I've never figured that shit. Out. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I, I'm bad. <laughs> so, no, no, no. I should fine. know better. No, uh, no, so, what's no, been no. up, Lauren? What's been going on with you? Tell um, me a story. Uh, tell, tell you a story. Oh, yeah, we went to the farm. We went to the. Camp. Yes, that's the story I wanted to hear because yeah, we yeah. made a promise to each other. So, let's yeah. start. What What did we do? What What was the? Where did it start? And where are we now? With the, uh, yeah, what was it like um, visiting the farm? Oh, okay. Uh, so it was actually pretty cool, pretty nice, pretty cute. Yeah, <laughs> and because pretty the, delicious. <laughs> the cows, well, he has a hundred head of cattle, um, but he okay. had, how many cows were in the barn? I don't know. It looked like more than like 10. Yeah, so about, more than 10. and how many babies? I think like five or mm -hmm. six. So he had the bull and about eight to 10 uh Amen. cows uh right. in in the barn uh because they'd been calving and there was uh there was one two-day-old calf in there wasn't there yeah it was adorable it was like it was hiding in the hay he yeah. always always says <laughs> just be like terrified yeah was he uh walking or was he just laying down just laying down hiding in the hay poking his head out see what's going on but the other That's calves cool. were like playing they were like running around they're like oh my god yeah and sophia came with us and the pair of them decided on the way home that they they want their own cow now so. actually it was when they were there we went we went uh, okay we went for, yeah, yeah. We so we've there. moved on from ponies and horses to we want a cow <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> well that's a good start i guess that's good evolution for you to go in the right direction yeah because I mean, you were you were going to get called out pretty bad last time because yeah. i was going to really push that cowgirl stuff and really get lauren to get a you know she wanted to get her own horse on a horse <laughs> for 24 7 i'm talking about you know all the time yeah. and i could have done that but i'm you're too good of a friend for me to do something like that <laughs> Well, if we ever end up living in Texas, that's what I want the kids to be doing. 24-7 on horses. Uh, Dude, you know, yeah. best life ever. All right. Well, that, Dude, the Moose. best life ever, yes. Let's move to Texas. One day we'll be there. Yeehaw. Sorry. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I encourage it. We watched the videos. Did you watch the videos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. The barrel racing. Yes. What? What's her name? She's incredible, that, that girl. Oh, I can't even, Haley, was it Haley? Haley one that yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I believe it was Haley I sent you. Yeah, she's pretty, uh, she's pretty humble. She's pretty strong. She's, you know, she has a good work ethic. She's, you know, tells the truth. I mean, whenever you see people like this in professional rodeo in the United States, most of the time, if it's the women, they're very humble and they are very sincere in the, in the ways that, you know, you don't see that much. Mm -hmm. So it's not sometimes it's a little fake because it gets a little show businessy but really they're poor they're really pretty pretty base girls starting out they understand how to have that relationship so it's pretty fascinating whenever somebody like Haley comes along and you know makes a representation of that type of integrity and that type of relationship with you know with the earth really you know with the animals and everything and the discipline that comes along with that so I'm glad you got you guys watched that because it's pretty fascinating the relationship they have in barrel racing mm -hmm. 
Oh, it's unbelievable. Like the, the connection with her and her horse. I think the horse's name was Sister. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, yeah. But, she uh, has yeah. a couple of them. Mm -hmm. Whoa. And that looks like a fun event to go to. Yeah. Daddy, you guys would love it. That. Yeah. I, I, I'd be more than happy to sit in the crowd and uh, whoop and holler and drink a beer. And uh, you know. there you go. What do you eat there? Yeah. What's 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 the fare? Oh, sometimes it's it, it's that bad food. Oh, right. <laughs> you know, they're going to have nachos. They're going to have nachos and hot dogs and, you know, turkey legs and cheese fries. It's, right. it's pretty disgusting. Like the but sometimes. Games. Yeah, but sometimes you get some really good stuff, though. A lot of the rodeos that are pretty popular, they'll have some damn good barbecue there. Mm -hmm. They'll do it upright. So it really depends on the level of rodeo that you're going to and what they can afford as far as foods and cost and, you know, demand and all that kind of stuff. So it, I, it, I remember I always when I was growing up, I always wanted, you know, it was a dream of mine to go to an American baseball game and, and drink beers and, and eat hot dogs. Do that, and we did it in San Francisco. That's did right. Did you really? And the Yankees were in town, so we got to go and watch. Oh, wow. uh, um, what are San Francisco calls the the Mariners? I think the, uh, the Giants, San Francisco Giants, the baseball team. Mm-hmm. Is that what they called? Yes. Okay. Are you sure you were in San Francisco? <laughs> Hang on, no, because <laughs> you no, have no, no, Seattle no. Mariners. Seattle. You Seattle we were in Mariners. Seattle. We were in Seattle. Okay, we watched there the you Mariners. Go. There the you computer. go. Yes. There you go. Okay. Daddy, yeah so. no so we we were in seattle and uh yeah sure enough we got there the kids got um some big popcorn i think uh you know it was it was a real fiat day and this is before bitcoin had even set set uh set sure. into my mind but yeah when i got the beer and the hot dog and i was the happiest man alive just sitting there watching a sport really? i had no idea what was going on but the guy <laughs> so ended cool. up he, the guy sitting next to me ended up just explaining like the whole play by play to me and because he knew I was struggling with what was right. going on and he could hear the kids asking me questions and he, I'm sure he heard the accent and uh yeah it was uh, it was a great day it was nice well you know base baseball is a very interesting sport you know how it's played the defense of it you know an offensive different defense is totally different you know and it takes a lot of patience to enjoy baseball mm -hmm. and you know it's you know it kind of reminds me in a lot of ways how we view soccer a lot mm -hmm. in uh i'll say football for you and you know football over if you go to a football game in europe it is nothing like watching it on tv people right. don't get that i mean talk about energy you know you're yeah. gonna have some energy in real in real life and people don't understand that mm -hmm. over here in the states and so you know baseball it, it's an interesting seven inning stretch mm -hmm. you know and then you get to the last two innings and usually it kind of gets pretty exciting but it's a long chess game basically and so is soccer or football so. yeah yeah exactly all right well i'm glad you got to go see american baseball go ahead i actually know a guy on galileo uh who's I think he does baseball. I'm not. He plays sure. baseball. Okay. Oh, he either does this cricket. I don't know. Cricket is I the think... English version of baseball, oh, basically. Oh, yeah, really? I would say. yeah, it is. It's, it uh, is. I think it was stolen yeah, from there a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Adapted. Does... It's a fork. Right. Does... Baseball's say, a fork yeah. of cricket. <laughs> he, he right. <laughs> I can imagine now all the Britcoiners are screaming at the uh, at their um. Uh, podcast app right now yeah baseball's a shit kind of cricket <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's probably gonna piss some people off which is fine it's almost christmas i think like 50 percent of the listeners tune in from the u.s anyway so 
Uh, right. Anyway, sorry, so guys. It'll, it'll it'll be a lot of conversation. <laughs> I love baseball. I hate watching it unless I'm in person. I will not watch it on TV. Mm. I I'm not a big football play, uh, soccer guy, but I, if I got a chance to go in real person, I'm definitely all over it. So, but American football, you like that? The gridiron. I used to a lot, but it's just so damn fiat. I just can't get into it anymore. <laughs> I mean that. And I grew up with football and I cannot watch it anymore. I right. can't even watch college football. I just Not don't. even in the stadium? I'll go to a stadium. You know, in Austin, I always went to University of Texas, you know, games, and it was very exciting. Anymore, I've lost all interest. And this is because I got into Bitcoin. I, I know it is because I, I grew up with this and it bores me now because I see, you see the pageantry of it. You see, you know, the, there's so many good, innocent young guys out there that are so good at what they do, but it's just exploited to every, every, every direction you can look at these days. And so yeah, I don't need it anymore. It's, it's a high time preference thing. I don't really look at. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, Lord, yeah. Do you have any uh, further it, questions it, or? Yeah. We, we, had we finished talking about the, the... I actually have one more question. Okay. No, we're going to talk about boot, boots. Go ahead. That's, that's what I was just about to talk about. <laughs> Did you look at any? Did you look at any pictures yeah, or right. anything? Dude, Did you get I, the styles? I, I just I just want a pair of boots. Like, like it, <laughs> okay. I just want it to be a surprise. You know? Well, it's going to be a surprise. When it doesn't, when it doesn't come on Christmas, it means when it does arrive, it is a prize, a surprise, right? Yeah. So, if it comes so we're we're birthday, working on it. <laughs> You're, I'm waiting for your shoe, uh, your foot to yeah. quit growing so much, probably right now. Yeah, so exactly. I want you to be able to wear them for a while. Yeah. So uh, my feet are very small. We'll figure out you figure out your size, and then we'll add like a uh, like size. 25. I'll do you a favor. My 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 uh. Um, I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna do you a favor. I'm gonna I'm gonna post a bunch of cowgirl boots on Twitter, and I'm gonna pressure your dad, and we're, we're gonna make this happen. Okay? Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah, I can go to horse riding, <laughs> looking like a cool girl. I mean, like there you go. Yeah. 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 We will and make it night, happen because you deserve it. Last night yeah. you, um, she was in her spectac as they call it a here show. in France. It's, it's a, a show. show. It's a spec it's right. a spectacle. It was Hawaii. Yeah, Hawaiian theme and she was riding her horse around. Uh so it's actually um, pretty scary because he went backwards and nearly fucked me off. But yeah. Well in, in in the little show beforehand he was the horse that lost his shit and started bucking all over the place. <laughs> yeah. And then Lauren comes out oh, yeah. the horse next. We're like, oh okay. <laughs> but it was okay. Wow. Yeah, it was he, all fine. He, That's he was pretty exciting. All he did was like and then, then I like, I was like, Wah! like with the hip, like the whip, like yeah. literally slapped him really hard. Uh -huh. and just like, kept, he was like, okay. And what do you call the whip in French? Uh, crevache. Okay. There what is that again, Laura? Huh? What was it? Say it again. Crevache. Crevache. Cool. Uh, That's good to know. He needs to get better on the R's, but. Crevache. <laughs> Crevache. <laughs> we're getting there welcome we're getting to my there. world like the, you know, well you, this, you this. can teach me you can teach me french and i'll teach you teach you like, some espanol you're completely fine you probably already know just, spanish though you, you probably teach, teach me no i don't actually really know anything you don't know spanish spanish all i know is like hola buenos dias or is that something else i'm completely gracias gracias yeah uh i can't say the Yes, yes. Buenas noches, buenas tardes. Tanta ya estás, españoles. 
There you go. Yeah, he speaks it perfectly. Okay, you teach me French. I'll teach you some Spanish. Right. Here's the first thing you're going to need whenever whenever you go on vacation. This is the first question you always ask, Lauren. Okay, you listening? Yeah. Donde está Espanos? Can you speak Spanish? Donde está Espanos? You know how to speak English? Uh, Spanish? It's, where, is, where is the restroom? <laughs> <laughs> when you're traveling, you need to know that. Especially when you're in Mexico, you need to know when you get off the plane, donde esta Espanos? Instead of going up to them, we're going, where's the restroom? So what's the word for for, for toilets or restrooms in, uh, in Baños. Spanish? Baños. Baños. Yeah, B-A-N-O-S. Like, okay, Saldeban, yeah, exactly. You can see the, the Latin root. Yeah, there you go. Mm -hmm. So we'll have a we'll have language lessons next year. <laughs> Apparently, if you know French, it'll be a lot more easier to speak Spanish since it's nearly the same. Mm -hmm. Okay, It'll be interesting to find out. Yeah, there you go. No challenge, right? But um, I mean, I already know two languages, so that's pretty impressive. That's a good start. <laughs> You'll want to learn. Yeah, it's a good start. You want to learn many more as much as you can whenever you're young, because your brain is like a sponge right now. And you're going to be able to learn a lot of languages and it's going to do you well in this life. So study hard on these languages. It's important. Yeah, I'm... We need a, We need a good translator of history as we get older. So that's something you can do. Okay, I will do it, but with less grammar, the ones with less grammar. So that yeah. means Dutch, no, other stuff. No, 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 no. Like, it means basically learning a language by immersion, not what in a classroom. Mean? By immersion means like learning by doing. So you go and live somewhere and you go and... Oh, okay. You learn the real language. You, you learn the slang. I, I still have to learn how to do the grammar though. Not really. It just becomes natural. Like sitting down in front of a chalkboard being taught grammar is no way to learn a language. No way to learn anything. But... <laughs> You're going to get there. Did you yeah, we want to travel. We want to go. Yeah. You'll be a good traveler. You already are. You're probably traveling a lot these days. Where have y'all been besides the farm? Have y'all been anywhere else? No, uh, not not since we last spoke. I don't think. Um, oh, we, we we took a trip to a different region of France, maybe since we last spoke. But we're flying out tomorrow so. to the UK. Uh, Are so you really? Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah, we've. It's been a day of wading through admin. It's uh, you know and uh, trying to jump through the hoops and avoid uh, all of the BS bureaucracy that uh, is being pushed on us. Um, yes. And we have to do we have to do a ton more. Because uh, we have chosen against the um, the option of well, what's turning out not to be an option for <laughs> for much longer of sure. the of a vaccination. So yeah, but we'll see. Our flight is scheduled to leave tomorrow on Christmas Eve, and we fully intend to be on it. So well, if we don't go, that will be interesting to see how that plays out. Mm -hmm. I want to hear more. I want to hear more about it. Is it stressful? I'm, I might give some tweet updates. Uh, yeah. It's um, is it stressful? I I've I've been all right about it because I've made my peace with it that I'm not complying and playing by their rules anymore, and I'll make my own rules. And um, you know, sure. by hook or by crook, we're gonna we're gonna get there. Um, I'm fed up with this nonsense. Um, but still, this is completely unnecessary 
uh, it's, it's stressful on uh, the other family members uh, because yes. um, th that we're going to visit because they're still bought into the whole thing. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been a problem, and there's been pointless anxiety over something that just uh, you know it needn't it needn't be needn't be no, this way. Of course not. And it's um, it's just a shame that it is organized destruction and chaos. So that's Absolutely. what they're trying to do. So and and you know a, a huge deterrent. They're just trying to deter people from moving. They they just. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, but you know, people are supposed to move, and now old yeah. times we always moved. We only stay we, in like a place for a couple of months. And we're a nomadic species, move. Lauren. Yeah, that's what yeah. we've always done. Mm -hmm. I mean, we only people think we now just sit down somewhere and don't move anywhere, but that's what humans are made to do. They move, they adventure, mm -hmm. they they we they transfer in a energy. Way. Yeah, we transfer energy everywhere. That's what we do. And, you know, we do it through spirit. We do it through physicality. We do it in a lot of different ways. We do it through communication. We do it through physical contact. And they're trying to steal that away from humans right Even now. They're trying animals. to steal our physical face, our physical space, mm -hmm. and basically replace it with augment, augmented space. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's what they're doing. I mean, we see the timing of it and everything. So and and I know you yeah, they are still they are still trying to steal our physical face, hundred percent. I, I know you meant to say space, but uh, or you, yeah, you yeah. didn't. But th that's exactly what's happening. And and today uh we were in a cafe having um uh, a coffee and there was a little girl in there, beautiful, cute little girl running around, and uh all of the staff were smiling at her and interacting with her, but she wouldn't know it because they're all wearing right. a stupid freaking mask. So this little girl, yeah. the age of two or three, whatever, she's running around, she's getting no signal, no signal at all from another human being. It's, this is disastrous. This is beyond sick. It's, I can't even put it to words. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's a genocidal thing that's going to play out for a long time. Because, you know, you hear people hear me all the time talking about core belief systems. Well, the core belief system that we just engineered over the two last two years is pretty messed up and it's going to be pretty messed up. And it's it's going to show it's going to be something that we haven't seen in a long time. And we don't know even know how to spot it at us. It's coming to us. Mm -hmm. That's how lost people are right now that they do not understand. And they do not have that form of clarity that they need right now because they are paying attention to the distractions. Mm -hmm. And that's what people know to do because they live an interface surface level life. And that's that's what they choose to do. So this is going to be kind of crappy, you know, for the next who knows how long? Maybe it'll all fall apart and we'll all just be chummy and we'll be flying everywhere to come see each other. And I hope that and pray that's what happens. But if it doesn't, this is going to be an interesting time. Totally is. Okay, Lauren, did you uh, have any further questions or are you going to duck out at this point? Have you been eating any other crazy foods like raw eggs? You know, I've been slacking on the raw, raw eggs. I was on the road for three days, so I, I apologize. But yes, I'm back on the raw eggs. And actually, I went and got a quarter of a cow as well. And I'm sharing it with my father right now. So, uh, you know, it's it's just beef. And, it's you know, I had an avocado the other day. But beyond that, it's been eggs and beef. <laughs> 
seriously, I'm bad. And then there's some junk food because I had to, because I was in the middle of nowhere, Texas. And actually I got stranded. <laughs> That's another story. So, well, well, we'll dig into that in a second. Yeah, we'll, we'll dig into that. So, but, uh, that's it. I'm pretty basic, Warren. I don't, I don't have to eat a lot of different things. And I'm totally confident in that. And one of these days, you're going to be right behind us. And you're starting now because you guys went to the farm. Uh, oh, uh, cow's heart. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's it. The cow's heart is actually, it's actually basically steak. Yeah, it is. It's, it's pretty, pretty, it's pretty good. sturdy. Yeah, it is really delicious. People just, you know, people just don't know that they have to have to be taught. It's an educational thing and it's perception and perspective. And so we have to work harder at that, you know, because well, in the end, it's the best, you know, it's, it's damn good meat. When we picked up the uh, the box, so the way the guy um, designed like the, the delivery, uh, not the delivery, the pickup uh, was uh -huh. you, you can buy eight kilos uh of beef in different cuts and he charged 15 euros per kilo and in the in the package were some fillet steaks uh some ribeyes um a roast rib no, not rib but they call it roti here roti de boeuf uh, it's just mm -hmm. a, what you'd have for a roast dinner for those english sure. people that are listening um and uh lots of skirt steak um underside i they call it here bascot um and then he said to me as we were about to walk away he's like oh, do you eat heart uh and i looked at him i'm like well i don't think i've ever tried it you know how does it come so he just gave me a few steaks uh heart steaks they're all trimmed up and you know That's perfect free uh for free because he wow. obviously wants people like you said he wants people to educate themselves and understand about uh you know you you can eat these organs you see them for sale in the supermarkets and they just look gnarly man you won't go anywhere near them like the tongue right. as well you don't want to touch any you're like oh bad but uh because this is all trimmed up and good to go it was much easier on the eye uh and sure. yeah we just uh i threw it on the grill we we grilled inside on we have a log burner which we use for heat in the in our lounge room and mm -hmm. uh, i grill on there in the winter time oh. uh oh it was um it was delicious just a little really? bit of salt and pepper yeah it was great and uh, you cook it medium uh i have another food kind of mm -hmm. you ate what the crickets in thailand oh that was ages ago <laughs> i know but still that is disgusting uh, it's, uh, that i ate them in mexico so mm -hmm. i i've i've eaten them before too that in mexico i believe it's chapalinas is what they say and yeah i've i've had to do that too lauren so forgive probably me. <laughs> uh, probably on a drunken night when you're uh you know being uh a bit of bravado it was uh, well it was kind of this a tourist thing where we were we were in the zocalo in uh, oaxaca and so it was just the thing to do you know mm -hmm. so you did it they don't have a lot of great beef there but they had some beef but so you eat some chipolinas and you go on your way so I've, I've done it you know i've had dried squid in thailand that was just absolutely horrible in bangkok and that's just i'll never touch dried squid ever again right. so <laughs> we all have those food stories right i'm sure um, you have plenty of them <laughs> yeah daddy has eaten squid beef like octopus before mm -hmm. yeah but not yeah. not the dried stuff it's, um I yeah like, i like i like, I like calamari i like yeah. fried I'm stuff i'm never gonna touch octopus or any other fish ever like i hate 
fish. No, you will. You will. You I, will. I, Believe I, me, you I, will. I, it's delicious. It, it depends where I, you're... I only like the really good salmon. Like, you know the sushi? You know the sushi with mm-hmm. the salmon on top? And it's like rice at the bottom and it's shaped in this like really... Yes. <laughs> I like that sushi with really good quality salmon. Because when I tasted awesome. it in the sushi restaurant where we were in Salah, it was just with a bit of like chef kiss. It's a big um, chef kiss. Where's, where's the best salmon come from whenever you're in France? Uh, Would we know? Uh, well, Wait, there's, they, they, they lean a lot on trout here because that's a river fish. Okay. Yeah. A lot of exactly. rivers where we that's are. That's what I was. That's yeah. yeah that, that, that that would make a lot of sense so uh, but the salmon probably um that the best you're going to find uh around europe is probably scottish or you know the norwegians might have something to say about that um right it, yeah there'd be some salmon wars for sure sure <laughs> good well let's start a beef war yeah so. exactly all right yeah, Ron, that's what we're trying say, to uh, do good night uh yep okay <clears throat> good night goodbye I don't know when I'm going to see you. Um, I'm looking forward to the cowgirl boots. And Merry yes. Christmas. And Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you. You're doing great. I'm glad you're getting all this education. And it's a joy to know you. And it's always fun to get to see you. So keep on doing what you're doing, okay? Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. No. Take care of yourself. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So, uh, yeah, we, we uh, the, the, you've got a story. You got a story. You got a story locked up somewhere because we were supposed to do this last night, and you DM'd me. You're like, "I'm stranded." <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's pretty funny. Something's a, happened. Well, it's a hilarious story, and and because I, you know, I always say that I have to tell the truth, and so I have to tell the damn truth. Well, I I bought a a little. My my son is 17 years old. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to convince him to <laughs> take this car from me. Well, it's a little Kia. And, and, you know, I think he should have a little piece of crap for his first car. And so I said, well, you know, we're going to go to Austin. So I'm driving to Austin in the Kia trying to convince my son that it's a good car to drive. And here I am going to drive a thousand miles in a Kia. And so <laughs> and here I'm used to driving a truck. So we're driving through nowhere, Texas, and the Kia decides as well, it's not going to work anymore. <laughs> so we got stranded in small town, Texas, and we had to get towed and all kinds of stuff. So it was a very good life experience for him because he got to see how hey, you don't freak out. There's a way to overcome this know what to do there's a protocol to to be okay you know we live in the 21st century there's out people out there that want to help you and so we went through the whole process and um you know we got the car fixed and everything and he didn't miss a beat and he did really well well there's no way in hell that he's ever going to drive that kia because (laughs) it failed the test so it's going to be a different kind of car now and he has a very good argument lambo yeah right <laughs> yeah, i'll step it up a little bit but not that much oh it's got to be some kind of uh like i love the the beautiful old um ford pickups you know from the 50s yeah. and 60s uh, i don't that's, know what you... it's funny you bring well that's funny you bring that up because i used to do restorations i'll send you a video and i did a 1964 custom cab once and I, I i did it you know um 
off the frame, everything off the frame restoration, and they're called custom calves. Somebody said, you know, you can't make that Ford look cool. And so I said, I'll take that damn bed. <laughs> and so I found it and it was in an old barn in a, in a town outside of a place called Crest, Texas. And this Ford had never left the damn dirt road. They had never registered it with the state or anything like that. It was just a farm truck. And when I got it, it was very rusted. And so, I, I mean, I tore it apart and I lowered it. I repainted it. I did everything, rebuilt the engine and everything. So I like those old Fords to your, to your, to your comment, I guess. I haven't talked about that truck in a while, but I'll send you the video. You'll like it. It's cool. I love it. Yeah. And um, so I think I'll get my son a truck. He's from Texas. I, he needs a truck. So which, which one do you have your eye on? Is, well, uh, I, I grew up with GMCs and set, mm -hmm. uh, Chevys, but I've driven them all. I like them all. It really depends on the year and the type of engine. Like the Chevys have a really good engine called the LS. It's a 350, basically. And it's, it's a damn good engine, and it's been around a long time. So when you look at trucks, you look at the engine, you look at the time frames of those engines, and you can do some pretty good research and say, I'm going to find this solid engine because you start there, and then, you know, you look at the suspension and stuff like that. So I love Dodges. I love Fords. I love Chevys, GMCs, uh, Toyotas. It just really depends on the, the combination of the engineering that year that they were least i was so influenced when i was growing up by american vehicles i just loved watching the movies uh or like jukes of hazard i mean come on i must have been like right? 10 or 12 <laughs> yeah uh, and, and seeing that dodge charger and you know it's just unbelievable like the, we had nothing comparable in the uk no, nothing even nothing. close you know you had your sports cars and they, they were fascinating as well growing up you didn't get to see them much in in america but i grew up the same time you and i are pretty close to age mm -hmm. and everything but you know from Smokey and the bandit to right to dukes and hazards oh, you know the trans am those were fun times i mean it, it made you want to be a hot rod for sure and you know you had the trucks in as well that had some had some good exposure at the time my dad he that's all he drove was a truck, a pickup truck. And there were two seaters, they were short beds, they were called short wides. And so that's what you drove. And, um, and you know, he had his tools in there, had a toolbox. And so we would customize them up and everything. And he, for a short period of time, when he was younger, he hot rotted as well. So I got to be a kind of a grease monkey growing up and started working on engines. And, you know, I rebuilt a motorcycle. Me and Marty were talking about this, I think, when I was 12. So I was always around that type of fun lifestyle. My dad had a Harley and he used to, in the summer, they rode every night after work. And everybody would come over and seriously, they would park in the front yard and they would, you know, talk motorcycles. And so I got to be a little boy running around seeing that. So that was fun. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think of the other shows that, uh, of course, Knight Rider was just so iconic. Um, yeah. Even the A-Team van, even the Blues Brothers beating up old oh, yeah. police vehicle. Like, exactly. So great. Um, yeah, anyway. I've known some I've known some guys that have those police vehicles. They're interesting characters. It's a, it's a certain personality that has that type of car. <laughs> 
Are they good cars though? I mean, are they're they awesome solid? cars. Well, they're solid for the most part. They get pretty beat up being used for law enforcement, mm-hmm. you know, but they know how to get up and go. The Ford, I can't remember the, the model, but it they had a pretty badass car that the <laughs> cops drove for years and people would die to get their hands on these and really act like undercover you know they they could do anything they want because everybody was afraid of them <laughs> and so the, they had a strong engine you know they had the tinted windows so like i said it takes a certain type of character for somebody to have that type of car all right we, we got the car talk out the way we yeah got the we got that. talk out the way yes now, we, we got to get some beef and bitcoin talk going on or um an update from your side of things what's uh you know what, what's been going on if, if you had any more uh knocks at the door from the the imf or any of these other institutions that uh you you'd kind of hinted before that uh they might have been um surveying you or not really but i haven't really had that much action i haven't really been doing a lot of i i I think i put in one of my posts my newsletters that i said i was going to back off the intelligence a little bit after cop 26 because i was going to be putting all this time into into the beef initiative and really looking at it at a pretty deep level and because we knew what we wanted to do but now we have a really good roadmap so i've been laying low i invited a couple of guest writers and so they're writing right now through Mm -hmm. the harvest of deception series so that's pretty cool but no i haven't really even been paying attention i've been so focused i think i've done four thousand miles this month i've been to another four thousand miles i've been talking to people and i've been networking and on the back side me and my business partner we've been building the back end and of the platform and you know it we we talked last night and we were only going to do the first phase but I think we're into already second phase stuff. And so we're really trying to hammer that out. And so um, if as far as the food intelligence and the IMF, all that kind of crap, COP26 was a failure. So good. It, you know, that, that's very exciting. But another thing is, if you don't know what's going on with food right now, after everything that we've all been talking about, basically in Bitcoin, then you have a problem. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not really going to focus on that anymore. There's historical value now that's recent. We know what's going on. We know the path. So let's start looking about solutions. And let's start really seeing, hey, this is how we're going to move forward. We know where we are. We know where we've been. And so that's going to be my focus going forward. So when you when you class COP26 as a failure, is that because you you feel as though they didn't have the kind of impact in the mainstream that they were hoping for? Like a lot of people have just looked at it and like, what the hell are you guys talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was a clown show, that's for sure. I mean, they, <laughs> did, they didn't they didn't really have it very orchestrated as they I felt I think they're rushed. They really are rushed because they're they're making all these mandates and announcements and whatever you have Prince Charles come up there and whatever he said about, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to have to take militaristic views and a stance towards climate change. You know, they were they were really wanting to get a big hurrah, but they got a big what the hell are the, these guys talking about? What's going on here? This is this is kind of asinine because, you know, they're 
India didn't play along. There's a lot of small countries that said, no, we're not playing along. And a lot of these videos, that's why they go. The small countries really don't get to be heard, but they have a platform there that they can utilize and say, hey, I am at COP26. They're not really paying attention to me. This is what I'm going to say. I think a lot of that media coverage got a lot of viral acknowledgement and people kind of see that, hey, we're going to connect some dots here. I don't know much about it, but COP26 was a failure, but it doesn't mean that their agenda is a is a failure because that's all they know is all they know is to move forward that's that's part of what it is it's inertia and that's what they do they say okay we take two steps back let's let's reevaluate this where can we ship this funding over here to this type of marketing plan whatever it's going to be because they're coming after we already talked that they're going to try to do a dark winter and that's what we're seeing right now is all the media so the food we're going to see you know there's we'll go deeper into it but you know we've talked about fertilizer shortage we've talked about a lot of different things people are already kind of going hmm what's going on here with our food and i don't think that they can really they're going to try to scare us they're not going to stop but we'll see which angle they're going to use with us yeah and it's been great to see kind of like um your message seep Mm -hmm. out into wider circles you you've done the show with marty now and and of course with adam curry on the um on his show uh that's um how did did that come about well i knowing marty and knowing adam now i think marty probably set it up which is that's who marty is he's very good at networking he sees things and he he passes them along and so me and adam talked and you know he he was adam adam is one of the best researchers out there you know, he comes from it. He knows what intelligence is. He knows a lot of things. People don't realize how valuable his his uh, narrative is, his signal is on what's going on. I mean, he looks pretty deep. So we just talked and we did a we did an offshoot, one of his private podcasts, and then he he pulled the content from that and then he put it on no agenda and they kind of talked about it. And, um, you know, sure enough, it's pretty much, I think for the most part, it's playing out. I mean, we're here now and I haven't seen anything that hasn't really kind of transpired that we've been talking about the last couple of months. So maybe it was good timing for me, but I know people have been out there saying a lot of stuff as well been around longer you know it's it's nothing new i think it's just coming together with some people that actually like i said you know had the timing of it you know to write a newsletter and to put something and to formulate a story takes time and you know i'm an amateur at it and for the people out there that really know how to do it i'd have a lot of respect for and so you know we're going to move forward with a message and i think a lot of people are coming on and that's why you know i chose to do the beef initiative mm-hmm. and i think people are starting to look at food and saying hey i need a different alternative yeah and so you know it, it is going in the right direction it's pretty exciting it's it's pretty hectic but it, it's cool and you know the, the 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 work that you put in like the six weeks on the harvest mm-hmm. getting in there deep and then doing the newsletters like this is a it's great. It's, it's been awesome to watch it all come together. Uh, so how is it being received now between uh, the ranchers that you're meeting? Are they kind of just signing <laughs> up on the spot? Like, yeah, no, tell me more about this Bitcoin happen. thing. That will never happen. Right. This, is, this, is, this is a number of 10 right now. I'm playing a number of 10. 10 Texas ranchers that are going to come into the Bitcoin beef discussion. 
And once we get 10 ranchers in the state of Texas that are going to join the Bitcoin beef dis discussion, we have one. Mm. And that's the way I'm looking at it. That is my prediction. This is what I'm shooting at. This is my basically, you know, my deck. This is this is my vision. This is the production that I'm trying to perform right now. And by saying that, yes, there's a lot of ranchers out there that are very interested in being heard. And they're they're going to start taking a step forward and you know I, i'm gonna have one here pretty soon with the with cole from knc cattle he's ready to really tell his story and he wants to say this is how i do it this is the reason i do it and this is how i see it moving forward i'm a successful rancher and this can be done and i'm making good money and so that's going to be our first step right there. If people hear Cole talking about what he's doing, you're going to have other ranchers saying, can I be on your show as well? Can I be part of this Bitcoin beef, beef and Bitcoin type of thing that you guys got going? I want to know more. Well, here, what, what do we have? We have something that I'm building. The platform is going to be very collective. It's going to be something that we are crowdsourcing. We're all doing this together. You're going to be able to give some input and you're going to receive some education. And, you know, by doing that, ranchers are going to come with their stories because Texas ranchers is all ranchers. They love to freaking talk and they love to tell a story. So guess what? We're going to have a platform and they're going to be able to say, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I'm looking at from you. What do you need from me? Let's have this conversation. This will start happening. And they're going to understand people are going to come because I'm, you know, I keep on talking about Bitcoin is going to be the value of beef in the long run. That is what we have to start talking about. And that's what we have to adopt in our, our basically our transactional side of things, but it's, you know, our store of value as well. And we're going to talk about that a lot. How do we get there? Why, how do we get, well, you get there by freaking eating beef first. Beef is leading this. It's not Bitcoin. We're going to leverage Bitcoin. But right now, you, people need to understand, we're going to start eating real food again. And I'm not going to let that be compromised. Whatever it takes to get there, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to do it as a bunch. And we're going to do it. You, you're in France and you just wouldn't picked up your cow. That is impressive. And that is something that you're going to remember for the rest of your lives. And people need to understand this. This is, yes, it's about consumption, but it's also about a lifestyle that creates a new form of heritage understanding of your legacy, because we're doing this with Bitcoin because of legacy. We're doing this for education. We're doing this for general awareness, especially for us that have children. So you got to start with animal protein and I'll never back off from that. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and yeah, we're already booked to go back in February for uh, for another, another. Is that package. what your time frame is? Okay. Yeah, I asked him when's the next when's the next um you know uh, kind of the next um, harvest time frame. basically. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and I, I did try to shill him some Bitcoin. Uh, it's never going to work the first time. I nope. asked if I could pay him in Bitcoin. He looked at me kind of like a weird, and he's like, "No, like, okay, uh, perhaps next time." And mm -hmm. like, uh, yeah, maybe. And I'm like, listen, I can, I can teach you if you want. I can teach you anything mm -hmm. you need to know about how to accept it and why it's important. Just give, drop me a text. You have my contact now. Uh, and I'll be back to see you in February for, um, I might even go back even sooner because if he's got more of those uh, hard stakes laying around. Yeah, I'm, sure. You know, it's another, it's a great, it's a great way for me to go back and say, 
thank you for educating me about a cut of meat I'd never even considered before. Uh, yeah, I really enjoy it, it. It, it's that important too, because, you know, Bitcoiners are short tempered sometimes and you have to remember, no, you go to them and you say, hey, what can I do for you? I want to know about more about what you do. I'm going to establish some trust with you and you're going to see that I'm pretty cool and I'm going to basically support you. Once we have that trust built up, then you bring in Bitcoin. This is not rent seeking. This is actually intentional behavior that takes time. It takes intentional focus. It takes intentional, you know, courage to go meet another human being and say, mm -hmm. hey, you know, I want to support you. And that's where we are. That's what the Texas Beef Initiative, it's a production. We're producing a way to feed your children in a way that we're not looking close enough at. You just said something a little like about, I don't know, two minutes ago, beef is the value of Bitcoin. Is that the kind of phrase you used or? Bitcoin is a beef of, uh, <laughs> Bitcoin, Bitcoin is the, is the value of beef. Bitcoin is the value of beef. Yes. Let's riff on that. Like, what, what, what do you mean? Well, you look at asset value. Let's look at land. Okay. Where is Bitcoin? Where is it? Where is it going to? Let's look in a visual three-dimensional way. Where is, where is Bitcoin going to? Let's, let's draw land. You have land, you have cattle. Where is Bitcoin on that? Mm -hmm. Whenever you're looking at value, where does it, where does its layer? Where do you see its layer? Is it on top of the cow's head or is it in the middle between the cow and in the land, or is it is it now underneath the land where it it has so much value that it's supporting that whole system of beef production, of basically you know really doing regenerative farming on land that is being brought back? Where does Bitcoin lay in that layer section? Well, it lays down there low. Mm. <laughs> it does, it's not up on top, and you're going to be able to have these layers built into the protocol and it will it be on the beef side or it'll be on the land side that's what we're going to find out and i think that people the ranchers are going to understand in the long run how the ranching industry works they need another store of value they need a place where they can place some stuff they're dealing with a commodity here you know and it's it, it, it's speculative there's all kinds of things that go on in the beef industry and so let's look at that to where we can say well i need to take a certain percentage and i need to put this in bitcoin for a while mm -hmm. and i'm okay with doing that i'm already saving some processing fees by buying and selling through Bitcoin to my customers. And so they're going to find the value system of the transactional side of things, but then they're going to actually find the value of, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to store my cows in this Bitcoin right now. I'm going to store next year's herd into Bitcoin this year. And this is how I want to start thinking. And by doing that, if we are true Bitcoiners and we believe that, you know, the number go up, right, you know, in, in long term, there's no reason in hell you would not do that. And what we got to find out how to do that. That's where we are. This is, mm -hmm. you know, it's a good theory and everything, but this is where we can actually move forward and we can have that confidence to say, we've got a discussion going on here. We've got two different types of brain sets that are really thinking of alike right now because ranching and that type of food delivery system to us is very decentralized in a way of thinking and then you've got this group of bitcoiners over here thinking decentralization as well so what we're missing is that bridge and that's what i'm trying to do with the beef initiative i'm trying to throw stuff out there where people start thinking of it in different layered approaches as well you could even bitcoin is the protection of beef as well 
because the, yeah. the way the way you you've been describing and the way I'm beginning to understand this is <clears throat> these guys they need a way to protect the 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 money uh, you know the, the, he comes up in every podcast it seems but the likes of Bill Gates is just going around buying farmland sure and people are selling out because they see just the, the dollar signs that's all they see and yeah. they're selling out of their generational beliefs and ethics and everything that they've been reared on and grown up with and it's just well, gone that's in an instant yeah that's happening up here right now in the texas panhandle i don't mm -hmm. want to cut you off but that is happening as we speak a very historical ranch that is being sold by for a couple of hundred million in fiat so mm. go ahead yeah it's disgusting so if that couple of hundred million if that's what that land is worth, if that was being stored in one, the land, and two, in Bitcoin, then Bitcoin mm -hmm. is that protection layer against these speculative attacks on farmland, uh, yep. which well, a speculative attacks on beef. Let's be specific, because yeah, they would the take that. Level. They would take that farmland, the beef would be gone, and they would plant their poisonous, toxic rapeseed and you know whatever else. Exactly. Grain. Yeah, I mean, and that's happening left and right. We know it. I mean, we have an eminent domain. We're having all kinds of ways that they're taking land, be it through fiat manipulation or if it's intimate domain or if it's, hey, I'm just selling out because I'm done. I'm tired of fighting. Whatever mm -hmm. it is, that they, they have control of it. So where's the protection? You just, you just spelled it out. And I think that's what we're going to bring into this conversation as we're moving forward. But we have to have the conversation. We have to start talking like this. Mm -hmm. And we have to really start saying, let's get to the source of the seed of the value here. What is it? Is it the soil? Is it the grass? Is it the, the, the land tool, tool that is the cow or the lamb or the goat or whatever it is or the fowl? You know, what is it? These, these animals are land tools. So let's protect every bit of that system, that engineering that has been here forever. How do we do that? And that's what we have to start talking. You know, there's a lot of people having the conversation. It's just what I'm going to bring to the ranchers saying, we're going to buy your beef. We want to buy your beef in Bitcoin and we want to support you. And whenever they understand that there's a lot of damn Bitcoiners out there saying, I will buy beef from you. You don't have to worry about where you're going to sell this to. And we're going to develop a very good relationship. And I'm going to send you Christmas cards. I'm going to send you your children freaking birthday cards. I'm going to send your children cowboy boots. This is called community in the way that we can do it right now. And it gives us a lot of damn power. Yes. What are the other kind of um, pain points for the rancher today mm -hmm. on the bureaucracy side of things? Uh, the way yeah. I'd understand it is um, like processing, I think, seems to mm -hmm. be pretty monopolized, right? How can we well, give that back to the rancher? Mm -hmm. Or do, would the rancher ever want that back? I, I, you yes. know, I'm just you know, yeah, going to well, throw some shit against the wall. Yeah, we're going to throw some shit right now because there's there's a lot that's there. And let's, just, let's go straight to it and we won't hold back. Well, we'll hold back a little bit because I don't want to <laughs> get people in trouble. But the processor is the biggest bottleneck in the form of the way that humans eat right now if it has to do with animal protein. Mm -hmm. The processors are the bottleneck. They are the one where it all stops. And basically... Or it speeds up. Who knows? And that's where the quality is checked. It's where everything is done with the, you know, with the, the, the processors, with the inspectors, with everything. In the state of Texas, I'm bringing the conversation and saying, okay, what we need to do 
is we need to have one processor in each county in the state of Texas. Texas has 254 counties. If we have one processor that does, you know, fowl, beef, lamb, whatever it is, animal processing that the community can have access to, then we're doing something. We're actually doing something that they won't be able to really, they'll try to control it in ways, but even if we don't put a big dent into the processing industry as it is in the beginning, what we're going to do is we're going to make them change the ways they're doing things because people are going to be educated and they're going to be able to say, I don't like how this process works in my community. I'm going to go over here and that will start happening. And once people understand that the processing divisions in the process, there's four major processors in the war in the United States, basically it's JBS, it's uh, Cargill, National and Tyson. And so they run, really run a lot of the percentages of our animal protein. And, you know, they, they even have contracts with this, these, fake meat companies that are going to start hitting the shelves and stuff. Tyson has multi-million dollar deals with, you know, fake meat, one, two, three companies already. The way I see it in the long run, they're trying to take the cow out of the processing and replace it with this fake commodities food that I've been talking about. That way, if they can say, hey, you know, they didn't like it at first, but they're going to consume it now because beef is so expensive. And guess who controls that beef price is the processors. And so there, you know, people, let, let's give you an example. In, in the state of Texas, this last winter, they had the storm and it knocked out the power for a lot of Texas for several days. A lot of cities had a lot of hard, you know, it, it was pretty tough on a lot of people. And one thing that came out of that, whenever the stores all came, became empty, there was nothing left except fake meat. You know, there was right. pictures on Twitter and all that. Well, guess what? A day later, all that fake meat was gone. Okay, let's look at the lesson there. They're, they know people will eat it and they know that they can make it at a price point where they can afford it. And they know that they will transition into something that they're going to push very hard. And so, you know, the processors are a problem with that. You want a rancher that has... He, he either is going to be his own processor or he's going to use the county processor. And that's going to be a, this is a decade long program. I told Marty that the other day, you know, this is going to take time, but if you, in the state of Texas, there's, there's people out there wanting to build these processors. And so what we're going to do is we're going to say, Hey, come to the beef initiative. Let's get some education going on. Let's get you started. I've met somebody, I've met some interesting people this last month and, you know, I'm still having conversations with them, but they're from water engineers to processing plant uh, designers. And there's they're the, the ranchers themselves that have put their own time into it to get to a certain point toward they're doing inspections. So there's a big wave of this coming. A lot of people don't see it. And so if I can shoot, shut out, you know, shove out this signal that, hey, this is coming, guys, let's start talking about it. How are we going to support them to open up these processing centers in, in Texas? And so that's kind of how I look at the I'm not going <laughs> to we could talk about the processors and what's really going on with them. But you do have ranchers now saying, I don't want to go to these processors anymore. Tell me how you're doing at Cole Bolton of KNC Cattle. Hey, why don't you tell me how you're raising your cattle? It looks like you're actually doing pretty well for yourself. I like your system. I'm tired of being under the umbrella of bear. 
And they're starting to say that Mm -hmm. you're going to hear some people talking about that because they are so far up in the system. And once again, this is said with respect to all ranchers, but they're so far up a system to where they are tired of signing a technology use agreement. They're tired of being told that, hey, this is going to be your antibiotic this winter. How well, how do you know that's going to be my antibiotic this winter? How do you know that bear? You know, why are you telling me this now? How can you project this every year upon every year at the same amount of time? You're saying it's research and development. Well, (laughs) me, who I am, I'm saying bullshit. It's not. It's part of a system that's based on a false value of our, our currency, we know, but it's also based on a system that manipulates chemicals in a way that ends up in our food supply. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And people have to start talking about that. And there's going to be ranchers that kind of come late to the party, but they're going to be able to say stuff. The more processors that we get built in the next, let's say, three to four years, there's going to be a huge voice out there. And this is how we go about this. It really is. We bring the processor into the conversation. And every time we're talking about beef, we're not talking about that styrofoam piece of crap there in the supermarket anymore. We're beyond that. We're getting down to the source of what animal protein is, where it comes from, and who has control over that. You know, the way a lot of the way I look at it now, whenever cows go to a feed yard, basically the cow is the byproduct of that feed. Basically, the feed is the profit. The cow has nothing to do. The cow is becoming the afterthought, and they're okay with that. And people say, well, they're going to kill the cattle industry. No, they're not going to kill the cattle industry. They're going to improve it by leaps and bounds, but you will not be able to afford it because you do not support your local beef producer whenever you had an opportunity to do that. So enjoy this fake meat and you'll be able to say, well, we had a steak last year. Hmm. I see that as their plan because it makes sense on everything that I've been able to research. Why not do that? Because they control the food, they control the seed. And so if people are going to eat crap, they're going to feed you crap. Have fun eating fake meat, huh? Yeah. Uh-huh. So oh. from the, what I don't get then is the fake meat. So a processor to me, I, the way I would understand it is the animal turns up and they, they go from, you know, they, they get uh, unloaded and they would go through the process of, uh-huh. of you know, the slaughter or the harvest, whatever words uh, people are comfortable with. Uh, And then um, uh, hung, um, uh, bled out, uh, quartered, Mm -hmm. and um, processed, basically, into into the different cuts and and whatever else. Why the fuck does fake meat need to be in that facility? Like, there's no sense. What? what, I I, I can't... Because it's going to save the earth. (laughs) <laughs> other than saving the earth which we know that's is what bullshit. they say yeah but, exactly yeah. but why why does it makes no sense right no As it doesn't make any sense well it does in the sense that they know how much control they have over our food mm-hmm. they they understand they're very confident in this and i've always said hey if they get if they get 20 percent out of this first move here in this early of 20 the 2021 basically you know they'll have some success with that and so you, you ask, why did why does that fake commodity, that fake meat deserve, end up in the processor? It's because of us. We allow it. 
Mm. And we allow it by our consumption. And whenever we say, hey, all that fake meat wasn't gone, people weren't going to go make burgers with it. Let's look at this in a different perspective as well. You know, early on, I talked about pizza pockets and chicken tendies. Well, they are able to implant so much damn fake commodity garbage into the food that we feed ourselves and our children. They're not going, they're not going to, they're not banking on you eating a 3D printed steak. They're banking on that. You're going to eat all that crap in that pizza pocket and those chicken tendies because it's, it's processed food and they know that you loved processed food and so the 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 replacing the steak is not going to happen really but adding to the stuff that got us here and saying that it's it's basically saving the planet and it's going to make you healthy and you're going to have to be on that diet that you were last you know nine months ago here we go we're going to do this again it's it's time to get on that diet and you know this never ends and so this is where they're going to go with this and people are going to consume it and they're going to, you know, they're going to feed their kids the stuff. The public schools in the United States are going to start feeding different food programs, social programs across the United States are going to start feeding this, this lie and people mm-hmm. are going to eat it. Some people are going to be forced to eat it because that's where they always start. They start with the poor, they start with fake bad food and they feed it to the poor. And so this is how this will play out. And like I said, there people are still going to eat beef. There's going to be a lot of people that aren't, though. Which, but if you look at it this way, they start with the poor and they feed the poor, and it's fake meat. That that's a scientific experiment. Right? It is. Let, let's call it, it what it is. Well, that is, and that's direct contravention of uh, like the the first freaking mm-hmm. rule of the Nuremberg Code. Yeah, I mean, and look where we are today. But because you know? they're made to beg, because the freaking money is just running away from them, they're made to beg for the food. Mm-hmm. They will take anything that they're given, and they're given they this to. fake meat. Yeah, they have which to. is packed full of what? Just soy and God well, knows that, what else. It's it's getting so bad. I mean, I who who knows? And I I just give up. <laughs> you know, we we talked about that lawsuit with you know the FDA one as far as the grass rule, and that that now that you know I think it was October they won that lawsuit. And basically they can add, you know, thousand, another thousand chemicals into your food supply and they do not have to tell you what it is. How Generally, well, because they're the FDA, they make the rules and they, they're tight with, you know, Bear and all these companies. So, you know, it's just people just don't pay attention to it. It's right under our freaking noses. <laughs> but people just like, oh, it tastes good. Oh, look, on the label, it says it's healthy. Oh, mm-hmm. oh it, well, it said it, it it's going to save the planet. So mm-hmm. I feel better about it. I don't feel like, I feel like shit, but I feel good that I'm saving the planet. Mm-hmm. And so you get this type of food system going within the impoverished and with the social programs and especially with the kids then you're able to keep really kind of dictate their health in certain ways is it is nothing new it is something that maybe bitcoin is making us yell a little bit louder saying hey guys this is a scam let's look at this if you don't want to come along fine i understand but enjoy yourself and we'll, we'll like i've said before with you and i we'll see you on down the road and so why we, we, we don't want to do this. This is not something I was looking forward to do. This was not in my plans, but I have a responsibility to come out and I have to say, this is your skill set. 
And this is how you're going to move forward with this message. And I think that every one of us as Bitcoiners have to start doing that. And we have to quit pointing the finger really at any rancher or any chemical company. And we have to say, this is, their, this is our innovation. Come catch us. Come chase us down now, because this is how we're going to do it. And that's a call out to all the plebs that are listening, right? Whatever yes, it is. Yes, it is. It is. What, 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 and it, you could be in any sector, in mm -hmm. any part of any business. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be ranching. It could be life insurance. It could be, yes. you know, anything. Yeah. Uh, but like calling out the bullshit and reorganizing the structure from the bottom up with, like you said, Bitcoin is the value of beef or protection. You know, mm -hmm. uh, Bitcoin is the value of X. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, whatever in you the want to do. Exactly. I mean, whatever you want to, this thing is not going to be compartmentalized. Bitcoin is not compartmentalized and people need to understand that. This is a decentralized global network and start using it and treating it like that with your thinking. I, I've, my Bitcoin knowledge is, is amateur compared to a lot of people. And I admit that. But as I learn and as I improve with my Bitcoin knowledge, you want to talk about more intelligence that I get within what I'm doing. They are symbiotic. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to, to know some of the people that I know right now. And I feel obligated to say, this is what I'm going to do. This is where I am with Bitcoin. And let's move forward together. If you need some education, I'm going to educate you. I need some education. You educate me. You do a great job with, you know, who you have on your show. And so I do as much as I can to stay on top of things. But I do. I need help. But I want people to think that the same way. And if they had some help that they need with food or beef, come to the Beef Initiative and ask those questions. We've got the answers. And we're going to be able to answer those questions a lot more moving forward once the platform is up. And you've got a podcast going? Yeah, it's called Texas Slim's Vision. All right. So uh -huh. that's been uh, how many episodes deep are you? It's well, I've, I've been playing around, uh, but <laughs> I got about eight or nine. But there, you know, I've been working on quality of audio. You know, there's things that I've having to hash, and I've been so busy. So the first of the year, I'm going to be pretty serious about it. Mm -hmm. And as much as I can, I'm not a podcaster, but I'll, I I can have a conversation. And so you know, I'm going to reach out to people. You and I always have good conversations. That's what I want to do with beef. I want to get people that are in it, they're ranching in it, or you know, they're an engineer near some part of it, water distribution, something that has to do with a ranch. I want to talk to you, you know, come, come teach me. Let me be a pivot point to where I can kind of shove it out there and hopefully it'll have some luck. You know, people will start tuning in. I told one, somebody the other day, I said, this is started out with just Texas beef initiative, but this is really a beef initiative. It's starting in Texas, but it's, it's going to be national and let's make this global. Let's everybody get into this. And that's what, you know, one of the reasons you and I are talking right now, because you just did exactly what you said you were going to do it started with you and i talking and having this conversation mm -hmm. and that's very commendable and that's very cool and you had a good time doing it i guess i mean mm -hmm. i'm gonna let you talk about that now because i want to hear it i want to hear the whole thing that you went through yeah from the first phone call or whatever it was well it, it was uh the, the, the way it came about was um my wife saw something come across her Facebook feed from a local farm. And she's like, Hey, Dan, look at this. There's a, uh, there's a local farm around the corner and they're, they're, they're selling packets or parcels of, um, of beef straight from the farm. I'm like, well, 
you what? Give me that right here, right now. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of Facebook by any stretch, but uh, this is right. one of the um, one of the moments that, uh, you know, it really came up trumps for me because this was the, right. the platform that they decided to use to try and get the word out within the community. Uh, so I was straight on the uh, straight on the website. Uh, no, they didn't have a website. I guess they're too busy raising a hundred head of cattle to build our own website. Mm -hmm. So it was just literally Facebook. I had to go find my old account, sign in. Thankfully, uh, it remembered who I was, and then I messaged them direct and uh, got straight into a, a back and forth conversation um, via a little bit of Google Translate and whatever else to help me out um, with uh, with the French. Uh, and yeah, sure enough, um, you know, explained why I thought it was great what they were doing why it was important to me to have found them i really wanted mm. to know more about the farm i explained that we uh you know we, we've got three kids here that um are learning in a different fashion and we'd love to bring them over to the farm on pickup day and meet some of the cows and see some of the uh the, the fields and, and whatever else and he was more than gracious to show us the cows and he showed us the babies and whatever else uh yeah. Unfortunately, he kept his mask on because I guess he's. Oh, we were in the middle of nowhere. I don't know why he had his damn mask on. And with his French, a lot of stuff was getting because uh, he had a. He was talking quickly and with an accent through a mask, and I was like, That's tough. Ah, this is yeah. this, you're testing me here, but whatever, we'll stick with it." So you know that the nuance was it was all fine. It was great. Um, and yeah, we, we we had a pretty good conversation, and you know, I thanked him for you know doing what he's doing, and got the meat, uh, and got home, and couldn't wait to cook it, and it and it was delicious. Yeah. So it was um it was great to see great to see some of the animals as well, and just uh, such a much better experience uh, than. I always try and shop at the farm shops anyway, rather than like the big supermarkets, but. Mm -hmm. uh, even the farm shops, you know, you, you, you're just picking up packaged uh, food. And sure yeah. enough, it was from this farm, but I'm picking up from him, having a conversation with him, and it's cheaper for me, and it's better for him. Like the whole, it's just a, a wind circle. You just you just spelled it out right there. I mean, you just eliminate all the different pivot points. Mm -hmm. of all your, the friction. Yeah, exactly. Eliminate the friction. But of course he still has friction to deal with with the processing and whatever else yeah. and it, 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 this thing it. this thing is really this is what it's just like really kind of like pisses me off it's like you know, who and when did they decide that we you, you are not to be trusted to slaughter or harvest your your, your own animals you've got to come through us mm -hmm. and we decide how that gets uh processed you know i don't care that you've looked after this animal since the day it was born and you you know i'm gonna take it and we're gonna finish it off and we're gonna chop it all up and that, that doesn't seem right that there's something there that is just that's where a lot of the romance i guess gets lost and especially for the farmer i can't imagine what it's like to load up your herd and then just watch that truck pull away because the truck driver doesn't give a fuck yeah the processors don't give a fuck mm -mm. and it's you know it's like you said i mean all value is lost in a way and it just becomes something you ask when this happened and i i really want to look at it probably on a global scale but first within texas when did this really pivot mm. you know and i 
it'll probably end up to being after 19, you know, 71, you know, the, what we always talk about. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised because you can be look surprised. at me. I just haven't had time to look at those records because there's a lot of processors that have been around since like the fifties that are still in business. Let's just put it this way. They're mm-hmm. still in business, but where, why are they in business whenever yeah. they don't have to be, or they're not, they don't have to be allowed to be in business. And have they That's accepted a pretty, subsidies? Yeah. I would like to know that. <laughs> And well, why like are they say, accepting? Why are they accepting fake meat? Oh, because yeah. it's uh, the money, clearly. Because yeah, the fake exactly. meat guys, they don't care, right? They've got the budget. This is a loss lead, right? Yeah, Just get exactly. in, get in the processors to choke the beef. Yep. Pay whatever yeah. it takes, because we know this is it's a long game. We know they play the long game. Could be two mm-hmm. to four years. Just subsidize this. Take the um take the loss up front it's not even a loss for them they're like people like gates and whatever else these guys oh, they, they don't know what loss is no. there is the only thing they they feel loss is when they can't do what they're doing more so you know just the stuff that the propaganda that that dipshit puts out i mean whatever he put out yesterday my whole family is sick or whatever he said yesterday I think mm-hmm. that's, that's right yeah sick. yeah i'm gonna cancel it's, christmas or something yeah no no exactly. it's because they hate you bill yeah freaking terrified of you freaking dude but uh he's he's an interesting character that's for sure but you know just the whole thing with the processors in this is hard to grasp but it's people people say you know why do i live here in in where i do in in the texas panhandle and most of the people that are processing the meat in the texas panhandle aren't from the texas panhandle they're from a different country okay let's look at that 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 happens in the texas panhandle because there's a lot of processing that happens up here well guess what when i was a boy that wasn't a thing and we i I don't know exactly where the processor was but it was done by my friend's dad okay why has that changed well, it's mm-hmm. because of, you know, we know that, you know, globalism, all this kind of crap. And why is it that a lot of beef that is raised in the Texas panhandle and come to process in the Texas panhandle, not sold to Texans? You know, mm-hmm. why is that? Why, why are we eating beef from a different location? You know, especially if you're not very intentional and you're very random with your shopping, you're not eating Texas beef. Why is that? Because that makes no sense, of course. You know, it's a commodity market. It's built on so many different types of corporate food, corporate, global corporate type of deals that we do not understand. And so I saw this in Asia to just 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 to like pick up on this. Uh, You know, you'd go to uh, Morton's Steakhouse in uh, in Singapore, for example. Uh Or you'd find Ruth Chris in uh, in Hong Kong, and it would all be this labeling of uh, USDA certified beef. So yeah, this is where, and they pay up for this, right? So that's mm-hmm. why the meat ends up leaving the shores of America, is because they they hang on to this certification, which is all BS, as we know. Yeah. Like uh, the, the the amount of um, bureaucracy and skullduggery that goes into certifying these these products just so that they can make more money on the export of it yeah uh, and then so so you'd go up you'd go to um like morton's in singapore you would pay the most ridiculous prices for like a, a ribeye it would make your eyes water how much yeah. you pay over there yeah and that's why it's leaving 
Yeah. And, you know, people don't really put it together and they don't. Why do they not put it together? It's because they don't look at food like we've always looked at food anymore. You know, it's a hassle. You know, mm-hmm. it's a hassle that tastes good whenever I can get it to taste good. And that's it. And beyond that, there is no ritual to it. There's no historical value to it anymore. And this is a generalization. There's people out there that respect food that are just, you know, plugging mm-hmm. along here that's not affected by anything that I'm talking about. And that's that's awesome. But there's there's a plug, you know, the you go to different countries, you've seen this, you go to Asia, you go to Europe, mm-hmm. you go to the Middle East, you know, whenever they have Kentucky fried chicken across the world, you know, and in Bangkok and Dubai, there's there's something wrong here because that's not how animal protein has been delivered the whole time that we've been on this planet. And what makes it okay to be able to deliver chicken, you know, in Dubai and basically in Bangkok and it tastes exactly the same. You better understand that that's not supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've had chicken in freaking Belize and we call them little yard birds. It's a different type of chicken, right. you know, than you're going to have in, in Thailand, you know, and then yep. you're going to have in Chiang Mai and something like that. So people don't know to ask those questions though. And they don't know why, because we're not educated on food. We don't have any food intelligence. We read labels and those labels are captured. They're gone in the United States, especially. There is no education on food. No, like none. Uh, and Jamie Oliver, you know, as much as, as much as a lot of the maxis are not a fan of Jamie Oliver, but uh, he highlighted this with uh, his um, schools uh, series where he just, um, he, he would go in and, take a box of vegetables in front of like a a class of kids. And yes, of course, it could have been heavily edited and whatever else. But I truly believe like half the kids in that room couldn't have named a tomato or an aubergine or a cabbage or a cauliflower. Like there's zero connection. Yeah, (laughs) zero. (laughs) Has it got a cartoon on it? You know, you know, that's that's, and I saw a fascinating video a couple of it's probably about a month ago now let's talk about food and let's talk about labeling let's talk about how the perception of how all this works within technology digitization food and whenever we've lost that value of food on the level that we have okay well there's people in universities right now and they're using and i don't know where this is going to go this is not going to be more than anything except what i'm talking about as far as labeling right now and how kids perceive food but they've got people out there drawing graphene oxide labels or cartoons on a piece of bread okay graphene oxide is of course not a nanoparticle we all know everybody knows you know graphene oxide is something everybody's looking at because of what it can be in maybe what they've put it in you know as far as you know the 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 stuff that they're giving people (laughs) but Mm -hmm. You know, whenever you have people out there and they're engineering ways to draw a cartoon on a piece of bread so that kid will eat that piece of bread because it's more appealing and they're you're going to use that graphene oxide as the what they're doing as far as the labeling aspect of that. And they're going to say it's safe. There's unlimited things that they're going to do with that graphene oxide in the future. They're going to have a potato and it's going to have a certain brand that's going to be an Idaho potato and it's going to have that Idaho branded brand on that potato and it's going to be something that is graphene oxide that's put on that potato so there's a lot of things that they're doing to digitize our food 
in ways that we don't pay attention to. So, so the, the, more... the graphene oxide, so just so we, we understand exactly what you're talking about, that this is a yeah. compound that's being put in. Uh, you On the first show, I think we did, you, you said it's being put in the seed uh, to some level, but now- Well, they're looking at the seed, they're looking at crop identification, stuff like mm -hmm. that with a graphic, because it's, it's translucent, it's, you know, it's a conductor. There's a lot of thing that it is as a nanoparticle, mm -hmm. you know, as far as its biometrics and all that kind of stuff. So even if and, it doesn't go in the seed, it can get stamped on like sure. a, a potato or something like through the right. processing, like stamp, stamp, stamp. So they yeah. can keep track of, of where the food is going and where it's being sold, you know, under the guise of this is for your benefits so we yeah. can, you know, make sure everybody's got enough food at the same amount of time. And they can track yeah. this shit from space satellites, if I remember you telling me. Yeah, well, they already do because they do it, you know, our data but through satellite. But what they do is they can do crop identification. This is where they're going. They're not there yet. This mm -hmm. is where this, this, this is going, and it's been pretty quiet. But the, what they can do is they can look from space. They can look at your crops, and they, can, they will be able to, in this decade, be able to see what type of seed you used from space is mm. crop identification and they're going to say it's because of yields it's going to be because of drought resistance it's going to have all this digitization to those plants that they're going to say hey we need to water now we have this time frame it'll be dew points it'll be all this kind of stuff that is fascinating and it is cool but guess what it's really probably not the the only thing that they're doing this for and so people are going to say oh we're saving the planet once again here we are you know it's climate change all this kind of stuff and the in the guys that are producing this type of technology they're mad i'm not going to say they're mad scientists they're enjoying what they're doing it is very cutting edge stuff mm -hmm. you know it's amazing it's not that the technology is bad it's this what channel is this technology going to go down and whenever you start getting this stuff i don't care who you are or how damn intelligent you are whenever you start manipulating the seed you're going to screw something up mm -hmm. when it comes to food people we have to realize food is here for a reason and it's not going to come from space it's not going to come from some technology it's going to come from the soil it's going to come from that pure soil that we know how to do with regenerative farming with regenerative using the animal as a land tool to save that land and to basically, you know, let that land tool consume that grass and become, you know, something that is actually energy for our world that is very healthy. And that's exactly what they're trying to kill. And, you know, by doing everything that they do with the seed, then, you know, they, they create these false narratives that we have to feed the world. We have to feed the world. Well, they never have fed the world. They're never going to feed the world. What they're going to do is try to control the world through their consumption. So we're going to solve world hunger, you know? Yeah. And I've been seeing, you've been seeing that ever since you were a child. I've seen, mm -hmm. this is all I've ever seen, yep. you know, and that's so what, whatever we have to feed our communities, us in where we are as Bitcoiners, we have to quit having this argument that we're going to feed the world. We're going to do this. No, you're going to feed your children. You're going to feed you. And you're going to feed yourself some very good freaking pure animal protein, because that way you're going to be thinking more clear here. It does have an effect. Protein has the effect on how you think. And so people are going to start understanding this. And, you know, this is where we're going to have to move forward. That is our responsibility now. What are we going to hide behind now if we don't do this? I can't. I, yeah. you know, I don't know where to go now. I have to go straight into beef and Bitcoin and, you know, whatever it's going to end up being, that's what it's going to be. But 
I believe in it. And it so far people are starting to hear it. So let's 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 march forward with it. And the, the other thing about this uh, this graphene oxide is when you, when you look at like the macroeconomic side of things, the um, yeah. the these these goods they get siloed away, right? Um, they they get um, because it's a way to manipulate the markets, the, the future sure. markets of, of these products. You know, you keep them off the market for as long as you possibly can to drive up the price. Uh, you know, any of these ports have huge, huge um, storage, uh, you know, facilities. And I remember I spent a year in the commodity markets right after I'd left the foreign exchange markets. And I was talking to a guy who was, um, what was he processing? Uh, sunflower oil, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. Out of the Ukraine. Massive. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, what? Like, tell me about this business. I, I could not stop asking him questions. Like, how do you store all of these seeds? This is crazy. Like in huge silos. I'm like, right, okay. And uh, and he's like, yeah, but, you know, we have to, you know, there's a cost to these things because they're constantly turning the seed, right? Uh, uh, from what I remember. So there's yeah. electricity going into the silos to turn and like, tons, hundreds of tons of this seed. I'm like, why are you turning it? Like, if you just let it sit there, it's going to spontaneously combust. Right. Oh my God. Okay. This is like amazing shit. Who knew? Like whoever knew any of this stuff. Um, So now if they've got this graphene oxide in there, they can see exactly where it all is at all times. But my question now is, what's that next step? If we start ingesting this, as we all are and as we all have been, um, at what point is there enough in our bloodstreams or whatever else in our guts for them to track we hear all the talk you know we do you can't say that you, people don't hear it you've had this conversation in private people you know transhumanism and mm. you know this type of frequency that's coming out of our behavior and our lifestyles you know it's all about frequency so yes graphene oxide it, it, it is a conductor you know are we consuming it are they making it and engineering it in a way that it, there's going to be a long-term effect on this to where they can basically wire us up basically in ways, man, probably. <laughs> is it something that, is it something that we need to worry about right now? No, what you, what we really need to worry about right now is that we know that it's, it's not right. It, there, there probably is something that's nefarious about it. So let's, like I said, let's 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 be the innovators in a different direction. Mm. Let's be that counterpunch. You go, you guys go ahead and you know have fun with your graphene oxide. We we know that it's what you're going to do, and a lot of people aren't going to listen. We know that you know with your fake commodity meat, your fake meat. We know what you're doing with this. We're going to be over here building. We we are the distraction now. So you know that that's something that's going to play out it's pretty early on in the graphene oxide argument and as far as everything that they're doing because you used to be able to find a little bit more material than you can now because you know they've probably limited it because it became some of the conversation and so you know we just have to remember that yeah it's a possibility and just they slow drip all of this we've talked about this over and over again you know, look at look how everything started. You know, it's two weeks. You know, we all know this and how they've slow drifted into where people are being accosted and they're being arrested and they're being, you know, you know, basically put in prisons and, you know, Australian ways. And so they're going to slow drip your food, too. And so, 
you have to just be aware of it. And what you do is we, we talk about consumption, just make sure your consumption is measured and it's balanced and it's intentional. And it's, it's something that it's not really a, it's something that's not about a want or a need anymore. It is what, once again, I say this, it, it is a lifestyle thing that we, we're going to have to do. If we try to focus on the graphene oxide, if we try to focus on the fake commodity, we try to focus on everything at this point in time, then that's all we're going to be doing is, is focusing on that instead of how are we going to go and do what you just did? Because it does, it takes time. It takes a little bit of change. You know, and that's what we're afraid of is change. And so let's let's engineer our own suffering before it gets engineered for us in ways that we might not understand. <laughs> so much to think about. And it's it's something that we don't have to do black and white. It's not something that we have to do overnight. It's just right now, like I said, it's a production. This is awareness. This is education right now. Mm -hmm. If if we can get it to where my children now are eating beef one more night a week now, then that's important. Let's start there. I saw you tweet something, and, and you started with a, a story with uh, you know you and your son. Uh, and I saw you tweet something the other day about, you know, it's my job as a dad now to teach my 17 year old son to, and then you listed like uh, two or three things. I can't remember exactly. Uh, how did, is this Bitcoin again? Like, uh, you know, <laughs> get, getting into your kind of like sure. father psyche and uh, changing you as a person and changing your relationship with your son. And he, is he feeling that as well himself? Mm -hmm. Is he like looking at you like, the hell are you giving me all this attention and advice <laughs> for all of a sudden? Like, you know. <laughs> well, that's a great question because my son is a fascinating young man. He's 17 years old and, um, and I call him Finn. His name is Finley. And um, he's a hell of a listener. And but he 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 chooses when to communicate, which I, I respect. A lot of people, I don't tell a lot of people, I didn't talk till I was five years old. Mm -hmm. And so what I was doing in those five years, I was really listening. And it's just something that was in me. I don't know. And it's something that, you know, helped me develop the core belief system that I have right now. He sees me as he's always seen his dad. He's fascinated and he wants me to shut up sometimes, <laughs> which is fine because we bring humor to it. But he sees this and I'd have to say that to your question, because, you know, I want to honor where honor goes, but as far as me being the confident dad that I am right now in any situation, I'll have to say that I'm using and leveraging Bitcoin in a way to, to be able to have that confidence and saying, yeah, I am a damn good dad. I understand that they try to take dads out of the picture this my whole lifetime because they did. And I'm okay with that now, because now I know and I'm going to be able to look at my son and say, hey, you know, this is how we are right now. This is where you're going to be leaning. I'm going to be here. And I'm going to basically, I want you to know this, no matter what happens, you have me that you can come to no matter what. By giving a young man that type of mentality, you're, that's an unspoken strength that he's going to be able to carry with him. And I think that being in Bitcoin and the philosophy of Bitcoin and having the confidence that it gives for storing value in so many different ways, you know, it allows me to have that conversation with a 17-year-old boy that really needs it right now in the time that we are in with our society and the doubt that is going on and the manipulation of these young minds. Mm. He feels pretty confident. He He's... I can see it in his, 
I see a change there. And, um, you know, I, I'm happy for that. And, you know, it's going to be interesting. He graduates high school this year. And so it's going to, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to talk his ass out of my going to college. Yeah. So, well, you know, tell him to call me, man. Right. Uh, yeah. and, <laughs> well, I'm trying to teach him that, that, you know, college is fun. Yes. You know, but if they, if, if they're talking about vaccinations, hell no, you're not gone, but you're going to be 18 years old. You get to make your own choices, but I'm right here. I'm putting my damn foot down right now because mm-hmm. this, this clown show stops and it stops in this family because you're not going to do this and you're mm-hmm. going to have a place where you can come to and you're going to learn a lot. And what he, I said, you right now, you tell me what you want to do when you graduate high school. He goes, if I had my choice to travel with my friends, I said, let's start having that conversation then. I said, what we're going to do is that you're, we're going to start doing this and you can come to this small Texas town that I'm going to actually be doing the beef initiative, initiative out of. I'll tell you more about that in a minute, but we're going to, I'm going to let him, hopefully we can find a van and we can basically redo that van from inside out. And I said, you're going to start studying mountain ranges across the United States. You're going to start studying rivers, campsites, Appalachian Trail, the Adirondacks, the Rocky Mountains. You're going to start understanding where you came from. You're going to understand Texas and you're going to go out there and you're going to travel. And I always tell them that, hey, this is an idea. This is what I would be doing right now if I was 17, because I see the value in where we are in society and where you are as a man, a young man, and the possibilities that you need to go out there and you need to tell a story this way. So we're going to see if that you know transpires. Well, you can't study how to travel in a classroom for four years and you know come no. out of it $200,000 minus. No. Like no. get out there and do it. Uh, so yeah, look, the, the the offer does stand if he ever does want to speak to the you know crazy British guy that lives in France and has traveled with his family and uh, you yeah, know, at the end of the line, no problem. Well, I told him that. I said, hey, I'm, I know some interesting people. I always have, and I said, you need to understand. I want you to meet these people for a reason. And if I come to you and say, hey, I want you to have this conversation with them, just have the conversation with them and know that there is a reason behind that. Mm-hmm. Be okay with that. You know, you don't have to compromise anything. You know, as who you are right now as a 17 year old boy that, you know, is doing pretty well. So that's going to, I'm, I'm going to leverage everybody that I meet during mm-hmm. this, you know, this journey that I'm on with you guys, you damn right. I'm going to, and I'd hope that everybody would do that as well with their children or anybody that they know. Yeah. Uh, look at Lauren. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I look forward to, you know, my mother loves Lauren's voice. She goes, oh, she has such a pretty voice. <laughs> but all the Which kids is have awesome. been on the show. All the kids have been on the show and they've all been uh, interacting with different people throughout and they all remember different people for whatever reason. Yeah. Uh, and this is why I'm I, I'm so bullish on, you know, trying to get to these uh, in-person conferences. All of us, you know, we, we went to mm-hmm. one in, in BR Ritz. Uh, sure, that my, my wife and kids, they didn't come to the actual conference because they'd be bored out of their minds. But yeah, they'd come to the restaurants and the bars and hang on the beach with all of the, you know, and you get yeah. to... <laughs> you get exposed like you said earlier all of our lives certainly certainly there's been an attack on the family we we know that and like the dads have been kind of like driven out of the picture as much as possible or portrayed through the mainstream television like look at any mainstream television show like you got a weak ass father like whether that's homer simpson or peter griffin or phil dunphy you know you name them there's a reason for that by design but also like this, this idea of mentorship is just gone, completely gone. 
Like, why why aren't you speaking to, you know, the, the 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 gentleman down the road that fixes cars, or the guy, the plumber, or the electrician, or the rancher, or the, you know, the, the banker? For God's sake, like it doesn't matter what that person does. If they're in your community, you should be learning from them. But no, yeah. you get home, you stay in your pod, you eat bugs, you loan nothing, and you'll be happy. Like well, you know, it's funny because I was talking to my boy, and he, and I, he he hit me up a couple of days later. He goes, guess what? And we'd been talking about meta. He goes, there's a girl in my driving class. And she said, that's all she does now, whenever she's not at school or anything, she stays in augmented reality. He goes, it was kind of weird. And I said, well, get ready. It's coming. Mm -hmm. And so he brought it up. You know, I wasn't hounding him about, you know, all this is going to happen, but he's already pretty aware of, you know, what it is and how it's going to suck people in. And, you know, just the word it, I, augmented like raises a red flag for well, me. It really like, does. <laughs> you know, whenever I was in technology when I was younger, I got decided to do a, a study on um, what was going on with this, all these new devices and all that kind of stuff. And I did a study, and I, I, I can't, I haven't looked at, at it in a long time, but it was a study by Iowa State University, and it talked about the division of interpersonal communication skills and how it was going to affect our children in our society. And this was before the smartphone. And this was right about, you know, when people were really just discovering saying, hey, this is, this is changing. And I was pretty young at the time. So it's been, a, it's been a while since that happened. And you see it now and you see the division of interpersonal communication and you see the lack of skill sets of people being able to look at somebody in the eye and for those children to even understand they don't, they don't have a protocol to go do that. They don't, they don't. And that's, that, that is by design. They, they get freaked out if you have a conversation with them and you can tell the people, the kids and everything that are kind of, you, you see it because you travel a lot with your kids, with your family, you're able to see it probably, you know, as much as, but, you know, I see it here in Texas and pretty strong, you know, I have a gym where I live and it, it's funny. I always tell everybody, Hey, I've got a, my gun range has a gym connected to it, <laughs> but it, what it is, is it, it's a gym and it has a gun range. And I always like to play with people a little bit on that, but anyways, it's a good gym. There's a lot of young guys there and you can kind of tell that they're very terrified mm -hmm. to to talk to somebody an adult and we've always seen that of course yes but, but how i notice it the most is that there's some kids there that are really outwardly going mm -hmm. and they're really making an, an intentional effort to say hey you're kind of cool man you're a little bit older but damn you know how'd you do that and so that you can kind of see where the younger generation is right now so the good and the bad it, it drives me nuts when teenagers shut down as soon as I walk in the room or if, uh, mm -hmm. even if my wife walks in the room because they're, they're but we got to remember again, and I know listeners that you're going to like, oh, here goes Princey on another freaking education rant, but this is where it fucking starts. It really does. This it is does. like, you know, I am a kid in a room full of other kids. The only adult in the room has all the authority and all of the power. Yeah. And... As far as I'm concerned, all of the knowledge. So yeah. I have to sit down and shut up and do what they say and listen to what they say. So that gets carried through the rest of their lives. So like, my, my oldest daughter is 16. Yes, of course, there's a little bit of a language barrier issue, but I could get by. But nobody wants to talk to us because we're the adult in the room. And it's just this, this horrible breakdown. This, this is it's so inhumane. 
Well, but it's by design. It's by design. And, you know, you and I talked about this in the very beginning. And, you know, I'm always so thankful for because I'm, you know, I can remember our earlier conversations. And I think I said something like, and I really mean this. And I mean this whenever it comes to, you know, being parents and everything. I'm ready to go freaking toe to toe with the world here. And so whenever I go into, and I mean that, I don't have a way I can go back now. A lot of us don't. We're here. And this is this is how we're going to move forward by saying that. And I have to look at it in a way I probably didn't look at it before. But if I'm in a room full of teenagers, I'm going to go toe to toe with the spirit in there Mm -hmm. with what's going on here. I'm going to make fun of it. I'm going to mock it. And I'm going to say, hey, you know what? I'm a better outlaw than you are or that what you're thinking about. And I will be that old fart that comes up with an old story. And I'll say, you want to compete with that? You know, and let's 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 call it out. Let's call the bullshit out a little bit. And these kids, we can bust their balls a little bit and they need it. And, you know, that's the very Texas thing in me, because you want to talk about getting ridiculed and getting some shit. You know, you grow up how I grew up. That stuff don't fly whenever you're quiet in a room and somebody you need to say yes sir and you need to shake a hand well you know we can get back to that and that's how i was raised so i know it's there and i know it's a possibility and i know there's a lot of kids out there still doing it i see it every day and so that is my responsibility to go toe-to-toe with that spirit of you know these kids in the room saying i know you guys are cool i give you a lot of respect for what you're doing and how you're handling your life right now let's expand the conversation a little bit you know you want to get academic let's get academic in a different way you know, what do you want to do? You want to get pop culture? Let's get pop culture in a different way. You know, let me teach you about, you know, some type of music you don't even have a clue about and where it came from. I'll tell you where the region of the world it came from and let's have that conversation. You know, that's my, that maybe that's that hip hop you're listening to. Where did that come from? So you just bring different conversations to the spirit. And, you know, I think that everybody has to do that because they do not have that, that, they do have that division of interpersonal communication and that is the spirit that we have to battle with. Yeah. All right, man. I've got one more story to tell you about regarding food, which I forgot to tell you about. Um, (laughs) We, uh, friends of ours, uh, they live just uh, one or two towns over and uh, they, they're French Russian couple and they've got three kids around the same kind of age as us, as ours. So, you know, it's always fun to go over there. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's building himself a, a new life and he, he's bought, um, you know, a beautiful plot of land. And on this land, he has, uh, you know, some truffle trees. So he taught us how to hunt for truffles. And, All right. Uh, we were digging up truffles out of the ground in, um, in the Perigord Noir, which is the, 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 the region in France for the black truffle, the, um, the winter truffle. Mm-hmm. It was just incredible hour to, to spend with all of the kids. The whole family was out there with some three other French guys. So we've got the, the whole thing going on in dual language. And he, he taught us how to um, you take a stick and you walk through the uh, orchard, whatever you call it, grove. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, what do they call it here? Truffier, I think. Um, and you, you use the stick to try and uh, just just kind of gently swish the undergrowth just under the uh, under the tree and you're sure. looking for a single fly just one fly to fly up from the uh from the from the soil really there's only one fly that lays its larvae right on top directly on top of where the truffle is growing in the uh kind of the the root system 
underneath the earth and not on the big roots right the the, the, the really tiny sure. sinews because you know a truffle is a, a fungus right. uh, so sure enough after about 15 20 minutes of following him through and you have to do it with the sun in front of you you don't want to cast a shadow in front of gotcha. you because it, it'll, it'll be too hard to spot and be up and, and gone and sure enough he sees the fly and i'm like i saw it at the same time i'm like that's the damn fly like i yeah. was never expecting to see this thing so we start digging another the, the thing you've got to be like really really specific and you have no idea whether that fly had just jumped 20 centimeters across the uh to a to a leaf or something to try and hide from you because it had sensed you coming and whatever else so we start digging exactly where you take it up where it takes off from but we, we couldn't find anything but right. then he calls in the big guns, the, the Labrador that he's taught himself. He's trained this Labrador, beautiful dog. And she comes out, she finds a thing within a second, like a second, really? like boom, it just starts digging. So then he takes a spoon and he digs up uh, a bit of soil and he holds it to my nose. He's like, do you smell anything? I know it's just dirt. And then he smells it. Yeah, no, just dirt. Then he smells another bit, another bit, just a spoon, like it, just a spoon you'd get out of your drawer. Then another bit, and then another. He's like, "Ah, yes, here we go." And he gave it to me. I smelt the earth. It was just soil, soil. Yeah. That was all it was, like flaky, flaky soil. Smelt exactly like truffles. Really, so strong. It was so strong. So that meant now he'd found the point. So now he had to be very, very delicate to dig down the extra. I know two or three centimeters before you just see the top of the truffle. Then you dig around it. And then you pull it out and this thing talk about treasure you know, I bet, man. Is, these things <laughs> they they sell for anywhere between 800 to a thousand euros per kilo really yeah uh and that market price gets set at the start of each season in a particular market in a particular it's about an hour from here um in a particular uh, place in france where all of the um, the truffles come together, all of the, the local farms come together, and then the so-called experts will go around and grade them and whatever else, and they'll get an idea of what's the supply going to look like this year, and bam, the price gets set in a band. And of course, sure. you, you you can pitch it higher or lower depending on you know what you want to do, but that's kind of the, the range. Uh, we pulled out two or three truffles, with just under 100 grams, uh, the, uh, of the total weight but the dog uh -huh. found them all and it was just unbelievable to watch and then we went back and of course we poured some red wine and he shaved off a little bit he showed us how to clean it he showed us how it would be graded because you just slice off a top and you see like the marbling with inside the truffle and then you smell it uh and then um you, you just like thinly shave it and just straight on a uh, a beautiful like fresh french baguette like the only the french could ever make with a little bit of butter like straight up butter uh the truffle flakes and some rock salt oh wow. my goodness <laughs> that was that's an experience tell me yeah tell me what it tasted like because i that's one thing i see i've never had a truffle Really? A lot of people haven't, of course. Yeah, they haven't, but you know, I, I definitely the, haven't. It's um, oh, you can't explain the taste. You really can't. It, it's so unique. It's like there's such the the the, the smell, um, is at least fifty percent of the the experience, right? Mm -hmm. It's so gotcha. 
it's so pungent um but it's not aggressive yeah it's not overbearing it, it is it, it's you just feel a connection of course yeah of course you would it's you just feel a connection i like that you feel a connection to it yeah yeah and it's like man how the it, kids that was a like great it. experience I were they it. were they excited whenever you know the dog was yeah. going out and everything yeah watching the dog at work and then watching you know digging something up is magical to me still like, sure you know, i grow potatoes like right. every time i dig up a potato it's like this is this is amazing amazing yeah <laughs> this is like finding treasure uh but to to dig something up like that that is so worldwide renowned uh mm -hmm. like uh, it's it's gourmet uh, <laughs> product um it's uh you know purely natural mm -hmm. these, these are from trees that have been stood for 20 years maybe like anywhere sure. between 10 to 20 years uh, and a symbiotic relationship with that tree yeah yeah there's and then here you are i mean it's the day and here you are you show up it's intentional and it, yeah, i mean it's just that's how we look at that's how we have to look at food in so many different ways i mean that mm -hmm. that's an awesome story <laughs> was it hard to pull off as far as ranging being able to do that all that how you facilitate had to go to, to go through the process of doing it what to um be able to get the truffle and all that no you know no no just... no it was it was very you know there, there's clearly a process and you mm -hmm. just follow the process you learn it and um once you know what you're doing, no problem. Yeah. Are you going to uh, do it again? Yeah. Yeah. I would love sure. to. I would love yeah. to. Um, it, it's it's hard to pull off if you want to, you know, make money from it because right. you plant the trees and you've got it. Well, first of all, you have to buy the specific trees that have been uh, laced with the mm -hmm. uh, with the spores. So there's gotcha. a you know there's a specific process for for that. Then you got to wait minimum seven years in, in some cases for for anything to come <laughs> to fruition and you got to guard the tree because you know there's nature out there that wants to eat the tree like when yeah. it's a sapling so it, yeah it's there, there's work it's, involved of course well that's that's some pretty low time preference uh think yes. ahead, isn't it yes. <laughs> that's kind of cool though i like that story um it, it matters and that's how we have to look at beef you know and it, it's just it's a slow process there's mm -hmm. a there's a whole thing that goes on let's let's learn about the process of you know how kind of how it happens and everything and you know talking about the beef initiative and you you brought up something earlier like you said you know these beef producers have to rely on facebook or they have to rely on they don't have websites and everything one thing i was i was talking with our developers last night our developers developer right now that i'm um in business with we're going to go ahead and be a service provider for any of these ranchers for being able to process their transactional uh sequences by selling you know through the beef initiative mm -hmm. we're going to go ahead and offer that solution to them and what it's going to have it's going to have basically you know we're going to have to do fiat because we can't get rid of fiat but it's going to have you know the the capability of buying in bitcoin too and so these guys i've i've noticed one thing that their websites are, not everybody there's some people out there who have some good websites and how they do their e-commerce but this is a huge problem within mm -hmm. the animal protein we we've got to bring e-commerce to them as well 
And so I think that's going to be something very beneficial for them. And we've got the team and we've got the know-how, we've got the platform that we're going to be able to do this. It's going to be kind of painful in the beginning as anything yeah. is. But, you know, I think being in a service provider on letting them do this transactional deal with either fiat or Bitcoin in the beginning is going to be very big part of people adopting and people working with this and, you know, crowdsourcing the collective information of the good and the bad. And I think it'll be pretty cool. And I think ranchers will say, Hey, yeah, I would love to do this. And they can, you know, they can choose what they want to sell through the beef initiative. So we're at that stage right now. And it'd so, be cool also just to know where these guys are. Right. So if there's just right. like a pin in the map um, mm -hmm. with, and if I hit that pin in the map, you know, globally, right? If I hit that, if yeah. I got these guys just to, hey, can yeah. you email these guys? They're going to list you and you never know who might turn up at your front door or email. Exactly. But like, yeah, if I ever turn up to Texas and I just go on to the, the website and click where's the nearest one, call them up. Can I bring the family out for a little tour and buy some beef off you? Yep. That's what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing. And, you know, we're going to start off with the platform, but that platform is going to turn into an online software. Mm -hmm. So we will do an app out of this and it'll be just like that. We'll do this geolocation stuff. There's plenty of things we can leverage to get that index built. And, you know, in the beginning, it won't be there, but that's where we're going with it. So anywhere you land in the, in the world, you can just say, I want to find this beef. Mm -hmm. And that's where it's very important for like you, whenever the platform is up, you're going to go to that platform and you're going to do some input and it's going to help the next guy down the, down the line. And I think that's because if you look at these indexes, you know, because they are controlled by the USDA as far as, you know, getting listed on certain types of beef. So you have to do all kinds of cross-referencing. You know, you have to do box beef. You have to do organic. You have to do grass-fed. You have to do, you know, so many things that the as far as the coding behind all this in the meat industry, it's pretty confusing. So to be able to provide an index that we're going to provide is pretty drilled down to what is kind of out there right now. And so the more that we drill that down, that's going to be very valuable and it's going to be very free mm -hmm. to be able to access. That's what's going to be cool because it's going to be open sourced. It's going to be decentralized in ways that, you know, I think will be very beneficial for everybody. Yeah. All right. Great place to wrap it up. But of course, yes. have you done any more thinking about if you had one last orange pill to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? <laughs> my last very orange pill well, well to orange pill my son as much as i can right now yeah. at his age group because we brought that up in the beginning mm -hmm. i've got to i have to make my my goal in 2022 is to make him understand that his legacy is sitting right in front of him to mm -hmm. pay attention and here we go you know i'm really you know let's 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 hold off on college for a year you know, if that's what you're trying to do, let's let's get into this conversation in 2022. This is what's going on in the world. This is something that's going to empower you right now because you're developing who you are as a person. Let's leverage this thought as you go into adulthood. I think mm -hmm. that everybody, if they have children, you know, our age that we have, that's what they should be worried about more than if they're getting into college somewhere. This is my opinion. But to really orange pill our children in a way, if you're a true Bitcoiner, why would you hold back? Mm -hmm. So, yep. you know, that's how I look at it. Yeah. And like I said, the offer stance, if he ever wants to, uh, you know, chat, uh, I'd be more Oh, I'm going to take you up on that for sure. Uh, 100%. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, th there's nothing wrong with, uh, you know, taking me for a year, 
like uh, you you've been no, in academia since the age of five six seven like take you know, a break what's man. the rush yeah and uh breathe yeah breathe. you know i i had a couple of friends that were younger and they grew up in australia you know that was just a given they traveled for two years they left mm -hmm. the island and they went and traveled it's mm -hmm. just it was normal you know and the world has changed a lot and it, people aren't doing that anymore well i've always talked about the beef initiative is a lifestyle it's mm -hmm. let's change our damn lifestyle and let's make it really fun and that goes for everybody just not you know just not you know, let's look at this you want to explore texas go find all the ranches and go find the small towns and stay in those small towns. You're 17, 18 year old boy that has a van. You want to go get some history in you and go, go, go do some river, go do some tree jumping, do some swing jumping. You're going to go some lakes. You want to go some mountains. Well, follow the ranch, follow the beef and create a little road trip out of that. Let's change the backpacking tour to where we're going out to these people in rural places and we're discovering where they came from and where all this came from. It came from the countryside. It came from these small little gems that, you know, get squeezed out every day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, brother. Well, happy Christmas. Uh, I hope Merry everything um, goes very well for you. And uh, I look very much forward to, to meeting in person, hopefully very soon when we uh, can get across to the States. Yeah, we're going to make this happen. We don't know when, but it's going to happen. And, Ooh. you know, Princey, you're a great, you know, great addition into my life. And uh, it's always a pleasure to to chat with you. I like following everything that you're doing. So let's just keep this motiv uh, motivation and uh, momentum going. Yeah, so. definitely. And uh, likewise, appreciate it. Kind words. Thank you so much. Take care, brother. All right. Take care, bud. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and thank you again Texas Slim at Modern T-Man on the Twitters for coming on and giving us an update of what's going on over there in Texas and your vision uh, for you know taking this thing global, this initiative, this kind of idea of yours to re-educate everybody about getting back to basics or getting back to the seed as you say and um, taking charge of our health via our food. You know, like... I think you said at some point during the uh, the interview, which is you know we're, we're transferring energy, right? It's an energy transfer from the soil to the grass, through the animal, through us, and then you know what are we gonna do with that energy? How do we you know best respect that and um, and build upon that? These are all rabbit holes, I suppose, opening up for other people. This is like, the power of Bitcoin. You know, this is what it does to uh, to those plebs that get exposed to it and start thinking differently about certain areas of their life. So, like I say on pretty much every show, if you've got something you need to say, you can DM me, you can come on the show, you can write, you can make a podcast, whatever it is. You know, you, you, 2022 is the time to contribute. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Make sure you check out the show sponsors. These links, as I said at the beginning of the show, they're all in the show notes. Just hit them up and you'll get taken to the landing page. You can hit up swanbitcoin.com in the US. Start stacking away with those guys. Across Europe and the UK, you've got services such as relay.ch. You have coincorner.com. And you've got bitcoinreserve.com as well now. If you want to get across to the conference, hit the link, save 10%, and make sure you use the Bitcoin hardware wallet from shiftcrypto.ch. Catch you on the next show, guys. Thanks for listening.